love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Haley Chura, and I'm joined by Alyssa Gadeski. Alyssa, it was a big race weekend. Did you have time to tune into Ironman Tulsa this past week? Whew, Haley, it was. It felt like overwhelming almost. It was like too many races. I'm like, wait a second. We got to like spread these out again. I'm not like fine-tuned with my race spectating to be able to watch all of this. Um, But I did. I was able to catch a little bit of the Tulsa coverage. And I'm trying to think of what exactly I did on Sunday. Oh, I had a long run. So I think I came back from my run and I was done and I was able to catch kind of the, like, I guess the, I don't know where they were somewhere on the bike. I was able to watch. Um, and then I actually, you know, I missed the rest of it until I got to see, um, sky munch coming across the finish line. So that was where I picked it like right back up. Um, and So I missed a lot of that in between stuff. So yes and no, I guess I could say, but I will say I felt like I was watching because I was watching the tracker and for that. And I was just kind of watching my athletes in Chattanooga as well. Um, so I was, I felt like I was like juggling all the races and seeing what was going on, but it wasn't a day when I was just glued to coverage. So what about you? Were you able, were you a better spectator, I guess, than I was? Yeah, you did remind me. So there was an age group only race, Ironman 70.3 Chattanooga, the half there. And then at the same time, the full Ironman in Tulsa North American Regional Championship, which had a quite the pro field. Um, I did follow a lot of the Tulsa coverage. I had a, a long bike ride and it was horrible weather here in Bozeman. So I was on the trainer, which it was snowing, right? Oh yeah. Yes. We had <laughs> like a significant amount of snow. Like this it was only, I think I was expecting a dusting and it was like a significant amount. Um, cowboy was very happy about it. I was a little less happy. Um, it was just, it was the wet snow. That's like, it's just, it's, it's late May. You know, I'm like, I, I know I live in Montana. I know that I'm, I signed up for this, but then it's just like, what in the world? I was running in a sports bra last Tuesday. So anyway, we made it through, but it was fantastic weather for riding the trainer and watching other people exercise, which happens to be one of my favorite things. So I actually watched a lot of the coverage and I had a fantastic ride. I will say, you know, I have missed like, like watching other people exercise. Like I said, while I exercise, it, I just makes everything so much better, but fantastic racing. Danielle Arif won the, um, Kat Matthews second with a incredible 249 marathon split. I mean, she just looked just in in amazing. I'm at a loss for words watching her run. And as you mentioned, Sky Monch, uh, top American, rounded out that podium. It was it was fantastic racing. It was fun. It looked like um, it, it looked like a tough course with the conditions. I think it was raining there in the beginning, but the times were fast. I mean, when we talked to Jess Jones, Lasley last week, um, I think she predicted very, uh, you know, few people under nine hours and I, I need to pull up the actual results, but at least the, I mean, the, I think at least four women under five hours, under nine hours. Um, you know, it was definitely, 
very fast and very fast running. So I don't think it was as hot as forecasted, which probably helped. There was some cloud cover that rain. It cooled it off. I think it was closer to 70 degrees than like the 85 that was forecasted. So that definitely helped. But um, yeah, top four women, Heather Jackson was fourth with a 8.57. So, I mean, it was championship racing for sure. Congratulations to those women. And Haley, I think we did okay with our picks. Well, we picked the same, right? I forget. I only wrote down the Jess one. Jess did amazing. Jess yeah. got the podium. I mean, yeah. she had Sky and Kat. She Kat, come like, back for that all the she time. Said, <laughs> she said, she's like, I'm good at this. And then she did pick the podium. Um, so she she definitely won. But I will say, you know, she, also Jess was on the coverage, on the Ironman live coverage with, um, of course, Dee Dee Griesbauer and Michael Lovato were the main commentators, but they had Jess on the ground in Tulsa, giving some like coverage from the bike course, from the run course, which was awesome to see. And Alyssa, we got a shout out. And by we, I mean like Iron Woman podcast because they asked her for her predictions and she was like, oh, well, you know what? The Iron Woman podcast already asked me. So I'm totally prepared for this question. So I'm going to take, give us like a little bit of credit for prepping Jess for that, pro, those, that prediction question, at least on the women's side. And Haley, you did text me when she gave us that shout out. And I was so mad at myself because, and I, I wrote to you, I was like, I literally just got off the couch from watching a little bit of this to get some Oreos because I had decided I was hungry and I wanted Oreos. And so I was literally like opening those Oreo containers and they're so crinkly and noisy. I like lost the hearing of the TV that was behind me. And I came back and you're like, she gave us a shout out. And I just see her little face with the helmet on. She was like on the, you know, bike course, I think, or whatever. She was spectating. And, um, so I knew she had just done it, but I didn't get to hear it myself. And I didn't feel like rewinding because the connection is always a little precarious. So, um, poorly, I normally I'd say there's no bad time for an Oreo, but that I was know. a bad time for an Oreo. <laughs> Two or maybe even three, probably Oreos, I guess I probably had. Well, Alyssa, I have a bit of a surprise for you. I was able to record a quick race recap interview with the third place finisher on that pro women's podium in Tulsa, American Sky Monch. Our listeners are probably somewhat familiar with Sky. She was a podcast guest in 2019, just before her huge win at the Ironman European Regional Championships in Frankfurt, Germany. Just a few weeks before Kona that year, she had a terrible bike crash that kept her out of the Ironman World Championship race but she has since recovered and is back to the front of the pro field. So we'll hear Sky's recap of her race in Tulsa right after the break. The Iron Women podcast wants to give a huge shout out to Orca Sportswear for their continued support in 2021. As someone who isn't a natural born swimmer, my choices for swim gear are super important. Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water, triathlon, and swim run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps, and booties. You name it, they have it. The code IRONWOMEN15 will get you 15% off, so head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021. Hi, Sky. Welcome back to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, Haley. Thanks for having me. It's been a couple years, I think. I know. And yeah, you're still- podcast. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. We've talked in between, but I do want to. Okay, this has been something after watching the Tulsa broadcast. I want to start this off by asking you to help us clear up some confusion. What okay. is the correct correct pronunciation of your last name? Monch. It rhymes with launch. That's what I tell everyone. So yeah, Perfect. I don't know what they were saying. Matt Lieto should know how to say my name because we talked extensively about it on 
the Zwift podcast. So hopefully he was saying it right on the broadcast. It actually wasn't Matt Lieto commentating. It was Michael Lovato and Dee Dee Griesbauer. Oh, it was? okay. Yes. I will say one thing, though, is that I was riding the trainer while watching and a lot of, like, I put closed captions on, which is bravo to Iron Man for having closed captions because, you know, it's hard to hear. And they, and so it's, you know, sometimes it's a little bit weird, but Monch, we have it out there, um, you know, just another time, another time rhymes with launch. Very easy. But um, anyway, now that we've cleared that up, congratulations on your third place. Thank you. Ironman Tulsa, 847 finish time with a 256 marathon, third place and top American at the Ironman North American Regional Championship. How do you feel about your day? Oh, thank you. I mean, I feel, I feel great about it. Honestly, I went out there and I executed exactly how I wanted to. Um, I, I couldn't really have asked for anything more, honestly, swim, bike or run. Um, I think that's probably my best swim ever over the Ironman distance. And, um, yeah, it's not like it came easy. There were times where I was like, Hey, it's, it's now or never, I got to hang on to this, or I got to stay with these women or, you know, my legs hurt, but we're just going to keep going with this. So yeah, it was, it was a really good day and experience, uh, for me as a racer. And, and we mentioned you be top American, and I earlier mm-hmm. alluded to Didi Griesbauer, Michael Lovato. So they were kind of talking about your rivalry with Heather Jackson for that title of top mm-hmm. American, and Heather did finish fourth. And I couldn't really yeah. tell if this was a joke or a real thing. So is there a friendly rivalry between you and Heather? Yeah, I mean, I think it's more fueled by me than Heather, uh, probably because I have more to prove than her. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just... I think on some of the pre-race stuff and then even on my own social media, I mean, Heather's been the top American kind of the one for me to beat personally, you know, I race typically race her a lot here in the U S right. We're at a lot of the same races and yeah, she's kind of been, um, one that I've wanted to, you know, reach her level and then beat. And so I've been doing that the last couple of years, but, um, you know, with COVID and everything, it's kind of been hard to have much momentum. So yeah, being able to beat her in an Ironman, I guess, just kind of solidified um, that, yeah, I'm perhaps performing better, but I would never count HJ out. You know, she is an amazing athlete, but yeah, there's there's a bit of a rivalry, but it's definitely friendly. I love Heather and we're perfectly nice to each other. It sounds like the like true definition of competitors isn't like the root of the word is like, you know, it's like a like someone who helps you get the most out of yourself. Like it's someone you really admire who gets the most, helps you get the most out of yourself. And that sounds like you and Heather. Yeah. Yeah. And like, to be fair, like, yeah, Heather was in the race, but she was pretty far behind. I mean, I didn't even see her till the run, you know? So it's not like I was thinking about Heather the whole time on the race, but certainly towards the end of the run, um, I was like, okay, yeah, she's, she's now behind me and I wasn't going to let that change. So (laughs) Yeah, I I was focused on the race as a whole, but Heather was certainly motivating towards the end of the marathon. And it's great to see American women at, you know, racing some of the best in the world and doing so well. Yeah. What did you think about the course in Tulsa? Um, It was a great course. Yeah, it really was. I was a little nervous about some parts on the bike. Um, I don't know how much they talked about this on the broadcast, but there were a few sections that were very rough you know, um, potholes or cracks or bumps and things like that. And then 
you know, add on raining. I think it rained. It felt like it rained almost the entire bike. So, um, you know, and we're on like race tires and going fast and I've come off my bike going pretty fast and that didn't end well, you know, crashed, had a pretty bad crash. So I'm pretty risk averse when it comes to descents and things like that. Um, so yeah, that was the kind of the only part I didn't love was like descending bumpy roads with the rain coming down. Um, but for me personally, I just took it as slow as I needed to and, um, was still, was still able to stay where I wanted to be on the bike. But yeah, that was the only downfall to me of that course. But to be fair, there was only most of the rough descents were done within like the first part of the bike. So most of the bike was actually great. And yeah, it wasn't like Florida roads where it's just like smooth and no bumps and no cracks, but yeah, it was, it was great. Um, and the, the marathon was fantastic. I absolutely loved the course. Um, great for spectating and great to be running uh, a marathon on. So yeah. And the swim was great too. And I wasn't expecting it to be wetsuit. Um, I was, I was not complaining. I like a wetsuit swim. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that will typically be a wetsuit swim, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. And you, you definitely made the most of that run going under three hours for the first time ever, which had to have been very exciting. And that was one of your goals, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was definitely focused on that. I mean, it's a balance, right? Between racing the race and then also kind of hitting your own targets that you want to do for yourself. But um, obviously in the field I was in, I clearly had to run that to even be competitive. So it was a lot of fast runners out there and it's crazy. Like the bar is just so high. I think literally, I think any marathon you or any Ironman you show up now as a female pro, it's like, you have to run sub three unless you're Daniela Reef, who's out biking everyone by 15 minutes, but she's the only one doing that. So. And you've had a string of really fantastic results over the past couple of months. And I I watched your finish line interview. I believe you said you're planning a break and then a run at the fall yeah. trifecta, the PTO Collins Cup in Slovakia in August, 70.3 World Championship in St. George in September, and the Ironman World Championship in Kona in October. Do I have that plan right? Yeah, I mean, I admittedly, that's just what I have in my head. And I've talked with my coach, but we have not solidified anything beyond you know, Tulsa. Tulsa was like the big goal, take a break, reset. I would love to be able to do all three of those. And for me, I think it's doable. I do really well um, racing into an Ironman. I mean, you can see that with Tulsa, right? I raced St. George 70.3 three weeks ago, uh, Texas 70.3 three weeks before that. Um, And I think I handled travel, jet lag, whatever, you know, if we're talking about going to Europe for the Collins Cup. So for me, I'm confident that I'd be able to execute that and do that well mentally, physically. And the bonus is that 70.3 Worlds is, you know, four hour drive from my home. So it's, that is a very, very low stress race for me to go do, right? Like, very easy. Um, It'd be like a very competitive workout weekend. Obviously, I would still be giving my best. It's a world championship. But yeah, I, I hope that's, I hope that's what happens this fall. But Kona is the main focus for sure. That would be an epic fall. I hope it happens too. Sky, thank you so much for giving us a little insight into your race. And I hope you enjoy that break and lots of recovery the, this coming week. Yes, I sure will. Thanks, Haley. 
The Iron Women podcast is grateful to Zelio Skincare for their continued support of the podcast. I'm always excited when I start pulling out the Zelio Sun Barrier more and more because that's a sure sign races are around the corner. And I'm going to be happier than ever using my Zelio's Race Relief Cold Therapy Muscle Gel because it means I actually got to do an in-person race this year. You can get your own Zelio Sun Barrier Race Relief Shower Products and Chamois Cream for 15% off with the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com. Haley, uh, one of the other things that kept me busy this weekend is that I it's a race week for me. So this is very exciting. I, our longtime listeners, very dedicated listeners, might remember that around this time last year, I was entered in my first adventure race with Matt as my partner. We were going to be a team to do this. Um, the Two Rivers 36-hour adventure race that is put on by Rootstock Racing. And one of the co-owners of Rootstock Racing is Abby Perkis, who's been a multiple Iron Women podcast guest before. And... So I was supposed to do this last year and, um, it didn't happen because of the pandemic. So we adjusted to this year. It's now the race is happening and Matt and I are like panic getting ready for this. Like Haley, I always think triathlon has a lot of gear and I can say adventure racing has like next level amounts of gear. We are having to figure out like rafting situations. I had to get a PFD. I had to get a paddle that breaks apart in four pieces. Um, What's a you know, PFD? Personal are, flotation device? Yeah, like a life jacket. Okay. <laughs> um, you need like lights and you need backup lights and you need chargers. You need uh, a boat. Like so we're renting a pack raft for a stage of this adventure race, um, which is like complicated in itself to, you know, rent a pack raft, but then you also have to then figure out how you can carry the pack raft plus all of your other gear for like a 10 mile trek to the water where you're going to raft down and like how you're going to finagle all that. You're fueling for all of that. Um, there's mountain biking involved and all of this stuff. So it's been slightly overwhelming, like fun, overwhelming to figure this out. And it, you know, we didn't really know what to expect, but they do, they kind of send out in waves, like more and more information about things to help with the planning. And so that's been perfect and helpful. Um, but it's just like the gear and the planning and Matt and I are both like heavy into really buttoning up our planning. You know, we're not going to just like wing it cause we want to go and, and try and do well. So we're like really stressing about the planning, but so part of my Sunday while I missed the coverage, I was out we were attempting to pack raft on the Muscoma River here in New Hampshire. And uh, it turns out the water level was a little low. So we didn't really make it down the river as far as we were hoping. <laughs> were you like, <laughs> like just stuck on a sandbar? I mean, we were stuck on rocks, which is like crazy. And so I also have this, like I'm I'm adventurous to some extent, but water scares me, like especially rapids, right? And like Matt and I don't know what we're doing. So, I mean, we have life jackets. We had our bike helmets on because you have to wear <laughs> helmets, and uh, which was like good because I was getting whacked in the head with his paddle. And so like we're figuring out why that's happening and like what's going on. And like little river, I mean, Haley, these rapids were like not big, like not big at all. And they, they're like terrifying to me because – I hear the nap, the noise coming up above like the bend. And I'm like, oh my God, what if we like go around this bend and it's something like way bigger than what I can handle. And then we're just having to go over in this little like dinghy boat basically that we blew up, you know? So anyway, we got beached one too many times and then we were like, all right, we practiced enough. We'll <laughs> hope the water level's higher next weekend. Um, so anyway, 
that's um that's coming up for me on Saturday. Can, 36 hours of racing. So, yeah. Is this a is this the kind of thing that you can track? Is there any anyone commentating? I don't think <laughs> any, they have and do we Jones on the yeah. ground. <laughs> um but there I will post on beach. my like yeah. Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I predicted this. <laughs> I don't know how she got that prediction because I know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, she, if she listens to this, then she could predict it, but, um, there is tracking and I'm sure rootstock racing will post a link. I'll share that link on my Facebook page. I'll put it on my Instagram. And the thing with adventure racing tracking is like, you can get super into it. There's this whole Facebook group basically dedicated to dot watching is what it's called. And so like when a race releases the maps, often they'll post the maps. So then you at home could have the maps with the checkpoints that people are trying to get to. And then you can cross-reference to like the GPS tracking to see which teams are headed in the right direction and which teams are going astray and like how fast they're moving and things like that. But, um, it's, it's pretty tough to really understand if you don't know, but you can just click on the link and make sure my dot is still moving for 36 hours or or maybe a little less than 36 hours we make it in. We're not going to, no, I don't think, I think adventure racing mindset, I believe is like basically two days or less. You don't need to stop to sleep. So we're going to try and just power through it. All right. Well, good luck to you. Safe, right? Yeah. <laughs> go wrong. I, yeah. I look forward to uh, hearing about it and I hope, you know, the river runs smooth and high, <laughs> not too high though. <laughs> um well thanks but Haley um other than the snow everything what's any training updates anything in in Bozeman we need to talk about I this is going to be like an off the wall kind of thing but Alyssa have you seen the show Mayor of Easttown no oh darn I'm like obsessed with this show and it's on HBO is it on real tv it's on HBO that's why so um thank you to my younger sister for her HBO login (laughs) and I uh It is. It's with Kate Winslet and, um, there it's just, it's a great show. It's like a whodunit, right? And the final episode is coming out this weekend. Mm. Oh, you'll, you'll be in the woods. So you wouldn't be able to watch it anyway, but it is, it's a great show. If anyone needs any trainer entertainment in case you got like a spring snowstorm, or if you're in the Southern hemisphere, things are getting cold and dark. Um, highly, if you can access it, I highly recommend it. Kate Winslet is an amazing actor and it's wild because she's playing a detective in Pennsylvania. And a lot has been said about like her accent and everything. And it's just weird to think she's like a fancy British woman who's like playing this detective in Pennsylvania. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> I really like Kate Winslet, actually. So I maybe I'll have to ask my sister for her HBO login and I can watch it. It's what sisters are things. for. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um Haley, we do want to extend a congratulations to our feisty um, team, feisty like, you know, media team fellow member. Um, Dr. Lisa Ingerfield won a sports leader award this past weekend for her work with Outspoken um, Women in Triathlon Conference, Unfazed Podcast, the all of the work she does with diversity, equity, and inclusion in endurance sports triathlon. I'm sure it was like, a massive combination of all of these things, which got her to win that award. But Lisa, we did just want to say congratulations from us at the Iron Women podcast. They, we know you 
100% deserve that. So congrats. Yeah. And if anyone is interested in, you know, learning and hearing more from Lisa, she does, like you said, host the Unfazed podcast with uh, Dr. Shauna Payne Gold as well. So definitely great, great work that they are both doing. And, and that Outspoken Summit, I mean, are we crossing our fingers for this fall? I mean, I don't know. I don't want to, I shouldn't say these things, but you know, things are, are happening again and maybe there'll be some kind of conference happening at the end of 2021. Time will tell, but congratulations to Lisa. And Haley, while I was in and out of the Ironman Tulsa coverage, also for the age groupers racing in Ironman Chattanooga 70.3 this past weekend, I believe it was quite toasty down there as well. And so all of this warm weather racing has me remembering that triathlon is like a warm weather sport, right? And so I always get pumped when it's this time of year because um, noon does their like special releases. I guess maybe only they did this last year. And so now I'm going to expect it every year. But um, they released for a limited time Kona Cola flavor, which is like one of the OG flavors. And it's one of my favorite flavors. I get really excited about Kona Cola. What's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I do remember drinking Kona Cola like when I was like very early in my triathlon career and fantastic flavor. And I think people are in the Kona mood right now. I think, a lo- I mean, a lot of people just earned Kona slots last weekend. There were three women, uh, pro women who got their Kona slots in in Tulsa. I don't know if we mentioned Grootsy, Frades, um, Kim Morrison and Tara Grosner, like three women, and then also 150 age groupers. So a lot of people are celebrating their new Kona slots after the weekend. And another fun fall, fall event that we are definitely crossing our fingers will happen. And so I think I think it's appropriate to like cheers to the Kona qualifiers with some Kona qual- Kona Cola noon. And you can always get your Kona Cola and other flavors of Noon Sport or anything from the Podium Series at NoonLife.com with the code LiveFeisty, capital L, capital F, one word, and that's 30% off for your order. And Alyssa, we are not doing a uh, mailbag this week because our our interview is basically answering a mailbag question that we didn't quite feel like we were experts enough to answer, so we we asked someone else to help us. Yes, Haley. So we we did need to bring on an expert to chat about women's health with us. Um, basically, all of the things about women's health and um, related to sports. So Dr. Tori Fuel is an OBGYN. She's a mom. She's a women's healthcare advocate. She's also an amateur triathlete, now an ultra runner, and a fellow Team SFQer with UNI. Um, so we had a very informative chat with Tori, and are very grateful that she came on to, um, yeah, share her expertise with that. So we will hear from Tori after a word from our sponsors. Haley, have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on staff? Yes, I have been jealous. I have a great primary care physician, but I'll admit, sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too, and that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on-demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your results within a few days. My favorite part, they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com/ironwomen and get started. Hi Tori, welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi Haley. 
Well, we are so excited to have you here as a guest, as our women's health expert. But first, we do want to thank you because you're a healthcare worker, and we know that the past year during this pandemic has been exceptionally hard for everyone in your industry. And Alyssa and I both recently had our second COVID vaccines, and we like three parties two weeks in a row on the podcast because it it has been, you know, it's been a a great thing to, to get that vaccine and to, we want to encourage people to, to do that so we can get back to racing and, and then even just like hugging and normal things that we all love to do. So as someone who works in healthcare, who's a medical doctor, do you have advice for someone who might be listening, probably an athlete and might be on the fence about the vaccine? Well, um, there, there are different perspectives in which to approach that question. I think that um, the first one, it, um, from a personal perspective, the, the benefits of the vaccine far outweigh the risks of the vaccine. And regarding the virus, um, the virus is still very much out there. And up to about 30% of all infected people are getting the post-COVID syndrome. And we are not doing a very good job medically in predicting who gets the post-COVID syndrome. It's happening to a lot of people who are not hospitalized with the virus. So I think that's probably the most important aspect from a personal perspective. And the second perspective is a public health perspective. The longer we wait to achieve herd immunity with this virus, the worse off we're going to be as far as mutations go. And the only way for us to achieve herd immunity is to vaccinate 80% of the population. And it's, it's important that we all do our part. And I think that, yeah, I think Haley and I both had fairly like pretty good experiences with our second shots to, you know, and I was reading something today about how there is kind of a fall off between people getting first shot and then not going for their follow-up second shot and things like that. So, um, I think that definitely aligns with our perspectives that we just really hope everyone can get out there and get us back racing sooner, doing back, doing all those like normal activities that we want to do. Um, but that definitely helps kind of from the medical perspective too. So thanks for that insight. And, also in my like headline perusing that I've been doing lately, um, I've seen some headlines who about like, um, you know, what the pandemic did to people's habits. And, you know, I think some of us were in the habit of maybe going for a physical. I know I was in the habit of going for like my yearly physical, even though my doctor was like, yeah, you're, you know, 35 years old. You don't necessarily need to come every year anymore. Um, but I like to do that. I like to do my like yearly blood draws every six months, even a blood draw just to show that I'm healthy and things like that. And I know for me that fell to the wayside. And certainly it seems like the news is reporting that for a lot of people, like we have been putting off these routine yet vital health screenings. And so as a OBGYN, what would you say to a woman who has been putting off their annual visit or their health screening, you know, for like a women's specific, um, you know, screening or issue or something like that because of the pandemic? So initially, I, I definitely think it was important to put off non-essential visits to doctors and anywhere, really, um, going anywhere. But I think now 
we've learned so much about transmission and how to prevent transmission. Doctors' offices are really safe. Um, we we implement social distancing and masking, and um, it's it's safe now to return to doctors' offices to get your routine screening. And especially if you have put it off for the last couple of years, um, it's it's time to get back in. And especially women over 40 who do need a mammogram, um, I think it's important. And pap smear screening is important, especially in women with a history of HPV. And Tori, as I mentioned earlier, we are we're in this vaccination phase of the pandemic in the United States, at least. And I think everyone over the age of 16 is eligible. And but we've we've seen some news about how the COVID vaccine possibly could be affecting women's hormones and thus their periods. And so have you been able to look at this? I know that these are maybe news headlines. There isn't a lot of testing being done specifically in research and peer-reviewed um, you know, research that we would be really relying on. But have you seen anything or heard anything about this in your line of work? I have, Haley. I've seen lots of reports, um, anecdotal uh, reports, specifically on Twitter, where women are talking about having heavy, uh, a heavy period after receiving their vaccine or lengthy, uh, painful period. Um, I don't know that that is necessarily um, a disruption in um, the hormones. It may just be um, sort of a, um, an effect on the immune tissue in the lining of the uterus which is not ter a terribly uncommon um, phenomenon with vaccines. It has been reported with other vaccines. I don't think it's anything to worry about, it, and this is just speculative. Um, we have no data, as you said. We, 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 no one tracked um, menstrual irregularities with um, the COVID data in, in the vaccine trials, and these will definitely need to be trials in the future to look at this, but I, I would doubt seriously that there are going to be effects on fertility and, um, hormone, um, hormones long-term in women from this vaccine. It's kind of, it seems, you know, now obviously hindsight's always 2020, but it seems so simple because I volunteered at the, one of the clinics that was giving vaccines at one point and you asked everyone that came through like these routine questions, you know, it was like four questions. It would have been so easy to add a fifth question on for women, right. About just if they were expecting, you know, just like period date or something like that, you know, any kind of data and then have it get, you know, you have everyone's email, you have everyone's contact just to be able to follow up. Right. And to ask for further information, it, you know, I guess obviously we would need like a team of people devoted to be doing that. But as, female athletes, it's like, oh, that's that's a missed opportunity to have. It seems so simple to be getting that information. It's such a bummer that, you know, a lot of that gets missed in, in some of these medical things. There is a study um, that just got started out of the University of Illinois, and a woman is doing um, a study looking at, at timing in the menstrual cycle when the vaccine was given, and then the effect on the menstrual period. So that will be interesting. And I think one of the other things that will be interesting is to see um, a trial um, when you look at the menstrual um, menstrual pattern after the vaccine versus placebo. I think that will be really interesting to look at as well. That's what they did with the HPV vaccine when they discovered that it did, it could have an effect on uh, menstrual irregularities okay. or the menstrual. 
And okay, so Tori, the, you know, one of the main catalysts for having you on was actually a mailbag question that came in from another Haley. And, you know, we were reading through it and we realized that we have our own personal practices. And as we started talking about it, we were just kind of stopped ourselves because we were like, maybe what we do is like not actually the healthiest advice or what we should be advising people. So like, let's pull in a medical professional. So I'm going to read the mailbag question from the other Haley. And Haley talks to us about how she has just gotten into cycling in the last couple of years as part of triathlon. She's really been riding a bit more in the last year specifically. Um, she does both indoor outdoor riding and she's having some serious issues with the saddle area. So she's getting a bike fit. She's using chamois cream and she knows she probably needs a new saddle, which are all things we usually recommend to women who are uncomfortable when they're riding. But she's kind of like going down the list. And the last thing she's asking is about grooming down there. And if it's a bad idea, if it's she's overthinking things, she's wondering if that's adding to the discomfort that she's having. And so, you know, I personally have always found it easiest just to get like rid of as much as I possibly can, because it's like <laughs> the simplest, quickest way. And in my head, that's like a way to keep everything cleaner, right? Like, and I hear, feel like that's something you hear a lot. Like you need to keep things clean and like get out of your shorts as soon as you can and stuff. So like in my head, that helps that. But again, we stopped ourselves and I was like, I don't know if that's actually the right thing and if that's healthy. And, you know, I keep having that voice in the back of my head that's like, obviously we have hair for a reason. So maybe I shouldn't be doing that. So we're very interested to hear your take on this one. Uh, well, all of those things you said are very true. Um, chamois cream is important. Getting out of your wet, dirty clothing is important. Um, making sure you're, when you put on a chamois that it's clean and keeping everything really clean. Um, the pubic hair issue is interesting. One of the things we do know is that sh fr uh, a fresh shave can cause nicks and um, actually allow bacteria to be introduced in places where we don't want bacteria. And I, I'm not sure about waxing, but I presume that waxing um, is the same. So my advice would be to, and let me backtrack a little bit. I feel like triathletes are a different breed because we do spend a lot of time in a bathing suit and pubic hair is unsightly. So what you mentioned about we have hair for a reason. That is true, but we also have social norms and um, pubic hair is unsightly when it when you're wearing a bathing suit. So I think these are important questions to answer. And so my advice would be that um, that when you're going out for a really long bike ride, that you don't have a fresh shave. You know, maybe um, maybe shave a few days or or wax or laser, however you you treat. Um, because those nicks can um, allow bacteria to be introduced. And then what you said, use lots of lubrication and get out of your wet, dirty chamois as quickly as you can. And Tori, what about saddle sores? Like what if, if you notice a sore, like what is the proper course of action and when should you maybe seek medical attention? So a saddle sore ha occurs when you have constant pressure that is placed on a certain part of your perineum or your vulva and it, and it, the hair follicle, um, becomes infected and then it fills up with infectious material and becomes very, it can be very firm and painful and 
not always, but they can be. So one of the things that you can do is apply hot compresses or soak in a hot tub. And um, you can try to express the, the infectious material, um, otherwise known as pus, yourself. Um, usually that will do it. Um, and a, a few days of that will certainly, um, most of the time, take care of it. Sometimes they, they never um, reach the point where you can express the material. And sometimes they do, they're, they're really painful and large, and sometimes they do require an antibiotic or require um, opening them up. I've opened a few up myself in my office. Um, and that's really easy to do and very helpful um, for someone who has suffered from one for a, for a long time and it's causing a lot of discomfort and they're unable to ride. Um, I think it's important too, to, if you have a bad bout of saddle sores, that you do give it a little bit of a rest from the bike saddle. And if you have this recurrent problem, you need a new bike saddle. Something's not, not right. And is that something you, sorry, it would like make an appointment right with your OBGYN if you think like this isn't something I can take care of on my own or like would your general practitioner, I guess, be any help with <laughs> that at all? Um, an antibiotic for sure. The general okay. practitioner would not open it for you. Um, if you really had a, a large one that the, that the infectious material was deep um, and that sometimes you do need um, minor surgical procedure to open that up and drain that, um, a general practitioner or family practice um, doctor typically won't do that. They would probably refer you to your OBGYN. But oftentimes, you know, an, an antibiotic w would help, um, help take care of that if you can't express that yourself. And then Tori, I've heard about like the extreme on the extreme end of this, that some women actually need to get like labiaplasties or plastic surgery, not for cosmetic reasons, but because of for comfort on the bike. Do you hear of this happening frequently or do you think it's necessary? So um, the rule of thumb with labiaplasty is that if the labia extend more than about five centimeters, um, they can create problems um, with friction and um, certainly with sports. I've had a lot of volleyball players who are unhappy and so, um, but it's not common. The answer to the question is no, it is not common at all. Um, it's very, very rare that, that, the, that the bulk of the labia cause problems uh, with any sport or any activity. And so what about coming back after childbirth. So there's no sh shortage of iron women out there who are pregnant or just had a baby and getting back into the saddle can be something that is pretty daunting. I have, you know, have heard from conversations of how soon to do it and kind of, you know, is it okay? Is it too early? Is it, you know, is it going to hurt that kind of thing? So do you have any, you know, and I, again, I know asking a doctor this, every case is probably different. It probably you would say it depends, I'm sure, but any high level guidance that you might have, um, or, you know, things people should kind of consider as they're getting back into cycling from having a baby would, would be great if you can offer it. One of the things I think that, um, getting back on the bike is easier than getting back running. And the reason why is because our joints are so lax and, um, it's really hard sometimes to right away to get back running. 
Um, but on the, the bike is, is typically pretty easy once everything is healed. So, um, a lot of it is just when you feel comfortable sitting on the saddle. Um, and you can do that in your own home on your trainer, just hop on and see how it feels. Um, everything, if you have stitches after, after having a baby, if you have stitches on the perineum or vagina, um, it, it will not take more than six weeks for those to heal. Um, sometimes they're still painful after they heal, so you do have to feel that out. But certainly in six weeks' time, and earlier if you don't have stitches or you don't have a significant tear or any trauma, um, not all women have trauma with um, significant trauma with childbirth. So I think the, the rule of thumb would be just uh, have your trainer set up after you have a baby, hop on when you feel like things feel pretty good, if it feels good, start, you know, with just like you would after an illness or um, a major surgery, um, hop on for an hour, do an easy spin, and then go from there. And Tori, kind of keeping along with this, the reproductive line of questions, what about like, what, if a woman is an athlete and is thinking about doing, you know, different reproductive practices, maybe it's IVF or possibly freezing her eggs at... I understand. I, I don't know these specifically personally, but I understand they they can be pretty invasive and you can be taking a lot of hormones. If a woman is an athlete and, you know, wants to do something like freeze her eggs, is there a timing that she should be doing, you know, during a certain part of the season, should she be expect to be out for a certain amount of time? Does it vary? Can you keep training? Like, do you have any guidance on that? It take, the process takes about 14 to 21 days, the entire process of, of harvesting eggs um, and stimulating the ovaries and harvesting eggs. And it's not a terribly invasive process. The hormones can produce side effects that can make it difficult to sort of function at your best, perform at your best. So if you have the option, um, the off season would be a great time to do that right after your last big race of the season, um, when you have some time to, um, relax, um, that would be an excellent time to do that. And I feel like this is a really exciting, um, uh, part of medicine, women's, women's health. Um, these options are going to open doors for professional athletes, um, women. Um, the one thing that, um, sidelines women and, it, it doesn't sideline men is um, the having babies, and this is going to open many, many doors for women as um, as these procedures become more common and um, the cost comes down. Um, the cost is a lot less than it used to be, and I think that is really going to open doors for women to be able to do this so that they can train or they can so they can race professionally into their forties. Would you say that's, you know, when, when Haley mentioned IVF, I was thinking like, is that, I guess, so, you know, kind of talking about the process for freezing your eggs and that process would be best to do. But obviously if women are, if women were trying to get pregnant, that would be something, you know, you could normally do as you were training and racing as normal in theory. Right. And so, um, you know, with IVF, I guess, is that something that you see as like a with the hormones that you take with that process, does it really, you know, do you think it's like super, 
it would change your athletic performance a lot? Or could you go into it with a similar mindset of like, you could train and race around that as normal and be seeing what happens essentially. So the harvesting their, your eggs is, um, is much less invasive, much less sort of um, a delicate, less delicate process than the IVF. Um, IV, if you're, if, if an athlete chooses, so you harvest your eggs and then later, 10 years later, when you're finished racing is when you would choose to do IVF. And at that point, you likely would want to take some time off. Um, with I, Once the eggs are implanted, you would want to um, treat that as a delicate process and not go full force, uh, run 10 miles after having that done. Um, because you're going to, that's an expensive (laughs) ordeal and you're going to want those eggs to stick. (laughs) I always think of the friends episode. I think it's when Phoebe like lays upside down on the couch, I guess, with her legs like up in the air after, I mean, I think that was like pretty groundbreaking. That friends episode has to be like really old when she was having that done. Um, but yeah, I guess, okay. That makes sense. Um, when, when your eggs are harvested, you, your ovaries are stimulated to create follicles and then the follicles, you'll, um, the athlete would go in for a procedure, um, and the, an ultrasound probe is used with a needle on the end of it to extract those eggs. And that's the extent of the procedure. Um, so it's not terribly invasive. There are no big incisions or anything like that. And, um, uh, you could pretty much right after you're finished with that process, go back to full force training as you wish. And Tori, we also wanted to talk to you a bit about the female triad or red S syndrome. I think it's kind of transitioned to be called now. It's a front and center topic for female athletes. And it's, you know, I looked it up online to be like, okay, what's the proper definition for this? And it, I found something that said it's the interrelationship of menstrual dysfunction, low energy availability, which may or may not be entwined with an eating disorder and decreased bone mineral density. And so as a coach, I can say that one of the biggest hurdles I see, you know, with this very frequently is that a woman will broach the subject with her doctor who is quick to say that not getting your period is actually a normal occurrence for them because they're on birth control. And women all the time, you know, go to no period when they're taking a hormonal birth control. So I know that's true, but I also know it can be so misleading for women who are trying to figure out their health, trying to figure out if they're healthy while they're racing and training and things like that. So, you know, from your perspective, like, how is the best way to kind of figure this out? Like is going off of hormonal birth control, the best option for women who are really trying to get a handle on something like this and having some issues with their body and thinking that, you know, they need to be looking at this from the perspective of the red S. It's a, it's a tough um, topic because it is very difficult to assess um, amenorrhea or menstrual dysfunction. Um, in a patient or a, an athlete who's on um, hormonal contraception. Um, and the only way to really, I mean, you can draw some labs and sometimes you can see some some abnormalities that are specific to um, the female triad. triad. Um, one of those findings is a, a low T3 or a, it's a thyroid hormone that can be low. But for the most part, the studies that you do are going to be skewed by the, the oral contraceptive or hormonal birth control that the 
that the patient is using. So um, if if you can't assess the situation clinically, um, which sometimes it's really easy to assess clinically if a patient is really underweight and has other obvious um, signs of an eating disorder, but sometimes it is very difficult. Um, so I do think that you um, you have to do that with the patient off of the oral contraceptives or hormonal birth control for about um, 90 days, which is tough because you don't want to create a, a situation where you end up with an unwanted pregnancy. So um, it's a it's not an easy there's not an easy solution to that question and you have to work together to sort of come up with a, a solution to that. And if a patient is working with a doctor on, on any of, you know, we've talked about so many different topics from amenorrhea, birth control, fertility, and, you know, saddle sores, <laughs> everything from those. So when a patient wants to talk to their doctor about this, like, is there a best way to, to, talk to a physician and say, okay, I have this saddle sore, but I also want to make sure you know that I ride a bike for 10 hours a week. So like, I mean, I guess like making sure that it's in the context of what you do as, as a very, a lifestyle, I guess, almost for everyone who's probably listening to this, it is a lifestyle. It's very important. Um, it's very important. And if you have a doctor who doesn't understand your lifestyle, find one who does. I mean, there are plenty of us out there who do understand the lifestyle and can work with the athlete or patient to figure out what's going on and figure out the best solution to the problem, the best birth control solution, everything. And finding a doctor can be hard. I mean, what, how do people find you? Is it word of mouth? Um, like what, do you have any suggestions for where to start? If someone's just listening to this and being like, okay, I need to get on this post pandemic hopefully gotten vaccinated, got to get on this. Like, do you have a suggestion? Well, I know that, you know, master's programs, um, I've met a lot of my, my athlete patients through the master's, the swimming um, master's program that I've been a part of, um, triathlete groups, um, and word of mouth um, a lot. Um, I've had, when TriSports was open here, I think I, you know, got a slew of patients from there, people who work there, people who, who go in there. And I think you can start there with friends and, and, and um, fellow athletes in your community and um, pick their brains and find out who they see and where they go. If you live in a really small town and, you know, you don't have a lot of um, selection, you may go to a larger town. Um, you can also go um, on websites and, and look that way. Um, and see if a doctor advertises that they um, are an athlete, that might help. That's good to know that maybe, well, I guess you haven't said that you don't mind when athletes find you, but it's good to know that if there is, you know, a doctor in your training group, it might be something, obviously you go through the channels to make the appropriate appointments and things like that. But um, it's good to know that maybe you could approach them, you know, as someone who, who does understand the lifestyle that you're living. Absolutely. I mean, athletes are the most fun patients to take care of because they care about themselves and they care about about their health. And they often will do what you ask them to do if if you're worried about now the eating disorder issue is different. That's not easy in any in any situation. But most of the time they'll they'll do what you ask them to do. So they're very easy to take care of. So it's a pleasure, really. I guess the type A is good for something there, right? <laughs> 
And so, Tori, with the rise of social media and all of that sort of thing, there's also this major rise I've seen in what I would call like amateur information sharing, um, which is basically like a woman will be in a Facebook group or something like that and kind of crowdsource for information. So what do you like think about? Do you see this happening? Like what goes through your mind when you see that? Is there a danger in this or is it positive? Like, is there something that if we see it happening, we could chime in and kind of, you know, help them, you know, in a more helpful way than giving them false information? I guess, you know, as a doctor, do you just cringe every time you see that? I do cringe a lot because I I feel like that people are dogmatic um, and it's often the people who are anti-hormone and anti-treatment, anti-medication who speak up in those situations. And I feel like sometimes um, people need hormones, people need treatment for something that's going on. And when anti-people speak up and it, it, it could cause people to not get the help they need or um, reach out to a doctor who could help them because they feel like that um, it's not the thing to do or it's not the right thing to do. So um, I do cringe in certain situations, but um, I also um, I also feel like you can get good information if you're talking to someone who's been through a particular is- having a particular issue or has been, or been through a certain situation that you're going through. You might get some really good advice on where to go next or who to ask, what to read. There are great books out there that that people can read to get good information. So it sounds like we should be checking our sources and, you know, thinking critically. And also maybe if you hear something just answered on a podcast, make sure there's a medical professional involved and it wasn't just Alyssa and Haley um, chatting about pubic hair. I'm glad we had you on because I think, you know, you gave a lot better advice than I would have on my own. Tori, we've kept most of this conversation around your professional life, but you are an athlete, as you've mentioned, and you recently had a huge accomplishment. You ran a trail 50 K. And if I'm reading this right, I think it was before you'd ever even run a marathon distance. So really jumped in both feet. What inspired you to, to go after the trail 50 K? Um, well, it's kind of a long story, but I have, I've had an issue with my foot for years. And every time I tried to train for a marathon, um, I was sidelined with some sort of injury with my foot. And so I decided that a marathon <laughs> carried bad juju. <laughs> and so the mar- I decided that the marathon wasn't my distance. So as, after I got my foot fixed, I um, started um, running trails because the trails felt so much better than the road or the, any kind of pavement situation. So um, I worked with my coach, Hillary Biscay, and um, we came up with a goal that I thought would be really fun and adventurous and I could enjoy the outdoors and, um, and challenge myself um, since I'm not sure that I'll ever be able to run on pavement again. And it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. It was really fun and I loved every minute of it. And I'm so grateful to Hillary for helping me get there. Is this the start of a a new phase of trail running for you? Do you want to do another one? I do. I definitely think it's a start. I definitely. And I do mourn the loss of, you know, I may never, I don't know, 
be able to run a traditional triathlon again. I hope I can. I hope that my foot will continue to do better and get better and everything. But if I can't, I've found something I love that I can do and absolutely. So and for our listeners, this is not I this was not a sneaky paid endorsement that I somehow snuck in for trail running because I actually <laughs> didn't know the full story behind. I knew Tori had finished the 50K, but I didn't know the full story behind that. And I, I love that the marathon kind of had that bad like juju with it. So you just kind of popped over it and hit the 50K. And I think that was an awesome way to do it. So congratulations again. Thank you. And it, and again, I don't I, I love triathlon. I would love to do another triathlon. I didn't mean to say that, that I wouldn't, that I'm not down with triathlon. <laughs> it sounds like Xterra could be in your future. I mean, we've talked to quite a few people like aqua bikes seem quite fun. I mean, there's, there's a lot, I mean, maybe swim run where you're like on trails. I mean, there's, there's so many possibilities in the, in the coming years, <laughs> maybe not right at this moment, but in the coming years. So you, you're still in the sport very, very much. Thank you. And I, I did a swim run last year. That was one of my first events after the foot situation. And I, it was great. I loved it. I will absolutely do another swim run. All right, Tori. Well, thank you so much again for bringing your professional advice. And again, I think the major theme there that we can kind of say is to definitely get professional advice at times, but keep sending in those mailbag questions to Haley and I, and we'll always bring in experts where we can to, to help us answer some of these. So Tori, thanks again for taking time. And we look forward to hearing what adventure you tackle next. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for to Dr. Tori Fuel for coming on and sharing all of that information. And Haley, after we recorded, she did send me some information um, about a presentation her coworker is giving about egg pre preservation. And so this is relevant for any athletes in their 30s, early 40s who want to postpone childbearing. Um, and it's a virtual event. It's free. And so we are posting the link to sign up in our show notes. So um, thank you, Tori, so much for passing that along as well. And also thank you to the other Haley for writing in a great mailbag question that got us thinking and got us to have Tori on as a great guest. So if anyone else has questions, uh, send them to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com and we will either take our best stab at answering them or if we don't know, we will find an expert who does. So keep them coming and thank you to those of you who have written in. All right, Haley, I'm going to get back to my gear list and my note cards with checklists and my um, every other list that I need to check and double check before this 36 hour race this weekend. But I'm, I'm super excited to do it and come back and tell you all about it. Yeah. Go have fun, Alyssa. Good luck. And I look forward to hearing all about it. Have a great weekend. You have been listening to the iron women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford. Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Prevenix, Zelio Skincare, Form Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear. You can find all websites and discount codes in our show notes at ironwomenpodcast.com.